time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, if the food safety, foodborne illness issues weren't enough for us as parents, now thousands of California lunchboxes with the saying, eat fruits and veggies and be active, are being recalled. They may be lead-tainted. It's what we do each and every week during this time, and today we invite to join us uh, one of the leading integrative healthcare practitioners uh, in this country, Dr. Mitchell Ginn, joining us today. He is a physician, not only a schooled in conventional therapies, but also nutrition, lifestyle-based approaches, vitamins and minerals, exercise. We invite you to join us, your healthcare questions. We've got some great giveaways if you join us today on the air at one 800 3073 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Sobering information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention out of Atlanta. They surveyed Americans, more than 356,000 of them, asking them about their lifestyle. Now, as you and I well know, there is a wealth of science-based information to indicate that the chronic diseases, what are those? Those are heart disease, high blood pressure, um, diabetes, arthritis, um, even cancer, are termed to be chronic diseases by and large, are related to the lifestyle choices that we make. We now know... And if you want to read further about this, there's great books out there like The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, a cellular biologist, linking 90% of cancer and heart disease to the lifestyle choices, what you eat for breakfast or don't, for lunch, for dinner, uh, what you eat in between, the exercise that you get or don't get, how you handle the stresses in your life with the diseases that you may develop. In other words, you may have a genetic predisposition for cancer, but never develop it based upon the lifestyle choices that we're making. Now, to what extent are Americans really getting the message? This is sobering. What they found is six in seven American people do not get enough fruits and vegetables and exercise on a regular basis that only a little bit better than 14% of Americans got both enough exercise. We know it doesn't take a lot, 30 minutes, three times a week. I mean, just think about walking 10 minutes after each meal. In in as little as a year, you've walked the distance between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Fruits and vegetables, many ways to do this, and this is so essential. Eat more soups, more salads. Go vegetarian a couple nights a week. You'll get some great veggie bars from your local food store. Only 14% of Americans surveyed are getting both enough exercise and enough fruits and vegetables. You know, don't go through another holiday season 
coming out the first of the year and saying, oh my goodness, you know, I not only didn't meet my goals from last year, now I'm looking at more weight. It is so essential to overall health to make those wise lifestyle choices. And, of course, if you have difficulties or questions, don't know how to supplement wisely, we invite you to join us. Well, they've taken a look and uh, taken a look and taken a look at better than 44,000 Danish women who gave birth over a recent six-year period. They asked them how frequently they ate certain foods, um, in particular fish, and the type of fish was critical. Did they eat lean fish or did they eat fatty fish? Fatty fish, of course, is a rich source of the essential fatty acid oils, the good fats, the omega-3 fats that we find in sources like um, salmon, herring, sardines, uh, anchovies, uh, uh, other sources, uh, sea bass, like cold water fish. What they found is that the women who reported the highest consumption of the fatty fish, the cold water fish, were at the least risk of having a premature baby. That why pregnant women often stay away from fatty fish because sometimes they are big mouth fish that are linked um, with things like mercury and PCB and DDT. But there have been many research studies to say that the benefits outweigh the risk. Or if you're concerned, a supplement with a good high quality fish oil. Mom's fatty fish intake tied to the wor- to the baby's birth weight. And, of course, we have uh, just much too high a rate of premature birth in this country. And that may affect vision, hearing, learning ability, immune system, uh, weight, heart disease risks for that baby's entire lifetime. Fish oil does make a difference. Well, interesting research by an associate professor of medicine, Dr. Stafford, from Stanford's Prevention Research Center. He was taking a look, and his research was published in the current um, issue of the journal Menopause, at women and their knowledge of synthetic prescription hormone replacement therapy. We're talking about a combination of Premarin and Provera, known as Prempro. And what he was amazed to find is that only one in three um, uh, American women had heard about the risk involved with Prempo, that only 64% of Americans knew that Prempro increases the risk of breast cancer, that um, only 81% knew that Prempro increases memory loss risk, Um, that, I'm sorry, 81% did not know that Prempro increases memory loss risk. Only 9% did. Only 34% of women surveyed understood that the Prempro boosts their risk of heart disease. So, even though it got widespread publicity, the Women's Health Initiative, indicating that the risk of Prempro outweighed the benefit, most women unaware And, of course, with, I think the figure is 5,000 women go into menopause every single day. Your choice of therapies, should you even need therapies, no, menopause is not a disease condition, is essential for your long-term health because we now recognize that lifestyle can be as effective as synthetic prescription 
hormone replacement therapy and why that might be uh, the best choice for a short period of time for, for a few. Lifestyle makes a difference. You know, things like magnesium, exercise, vitamin E, black cohosh, flaxseed, um, all of these can be as effective as the, the synthetic prescription hormone replacement therapy without the risk. Most women unaware of the hormone replacement study. Amazing information. Well, if you're a guy and have an enlarged prostate, and many men over the age of 45 in this country do, if you're taking some of the most common painkillers, ibuprofen, Tylenol, naproxen, it may be, according to the Harvard Men's Health Watch, a double-edged sword. In men who already have prostate enlargement, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, whether they're over-the-counter, the Tylenols, uh, the, the ibuprofens, the aspirin, or whether by prescription, they worsen urinary symptoms. They block the production of your body's hormones called prostaglandins. The bladder produces prostaglandins to enhance the contraction of the surrounding muscles. So what it boils down to is the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, if you already have prostate enlargement, makes it harder to empty your bladder. So the conclusion, it's published in the current Harvard Men's Health Watch, and just keep in mind, we post this news on a daily basis at our website, healthytalkradio.com. Pain meds may worsen the symptoms of an enlarged prostate. Well, it was a Tony trial came out of the University of Oxford, published online this week in the New England Journal of Medicine, a one-year of a four-year study of type 2 diabetics combining some of the various diabetic drugs like the metformins and the glyburides along with insulin. Their goal was to reduce the levels of hemoglobin A1C. What they found is the drugs didn't work. The treatment goal was reached just 23% of the time, and it belies the fact, if you read Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy by Dr. Walter Willett of Harvard or Dr. Jim Anderson's great books from the University of Kentucky, you can control up to 95% of all type 2 diabetes by making wiser lifestyle choices. What are those choices? We'll take it up when we return with Dr. Mitchell again joining us today. We invite you to go to the phone, pick it up, give us a call. Your health care questions, we have a great giveaway for you at 1-800-307-3002. Dr. Mitchell again joining us. Open phone lines, your health care questions on Healthy Talk Radio. America's number one source for healthcare information, news, and medical breakthroughs. Making America healthy coast to coast. It's Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. One of our nation's leading integrative healthcare practitioners. He's, uh, uh, has, has done amazing uh, textbooks and anti aging, uh, compounding pharmacies, now doing cutting edge integrative uh, research uh, in the field of stem cells, knows nutrition and, and lifestyle. He's Dr. Mitchell Ginn, who joins us today. And just keep in mind, we've got great giveaways and open phone lines for your health care questions at 1 800 307 3002. Dr. Mitchell Ginn, hello and welcome. We've got the books, don't we, for everybody? We too. And some good ones because you just gave me a couple that were outrageous. So oh, good. I've been through one of them already, so I, I would say that 
the folks calling in today have something really to look forward to, some really good books. So how are you doing? What's new? Well, I'm just marveling at what's in the current Harvard Men's Health Watch, uh, indicating that men who already have an enlarged prostate who use any of the NSAIDs are really making it worse. They now know that the the NSAIDs block the production of the prostaglandins. The prostaglandins enhance contraction of the, the urinary muscles that make it possible for a man to empty your, uh, their bladder. So what they found is that ibuprofen, naproxen, any of these NSAIDs uh, actually make uh, prostate enlargement much worse. Uh, Ooh, I didn't, I, by the way, I did not see that article, but it's certainly... Wow, that's a wow, because, you know, so many people are on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. You could have a large prostate and also have a sore hand. I would imagine they could happen simultaneously, which obviously would lead to a big problem. Of course, uh, you can't go by me because I'm one of those folks that say, look, let's look at the underlying etiology of inflammation. What's causing the problem? Is it, you know, is it IL-6, uh, these chemical interleukin-6 and tumor necrosis factor? And what natural things can we do to correct it? And there's many natural things. I and mean, we've talked about it before. It's certainly, perhaps it's not the show unless someone calls in and asks, but it's certainly... Um, very interesting, probably a very important article because it may, I don't know if it's going to change conventional medicine, it sort of supports what we do, Deb, but I don't know if it will change other physicians thinking, they're still going to say what am I going to do, someone has an achy hand, they're going to have an inflamed knee what am I going to do, they have an enlarged prostate they're going to still probably give me a non-steroid I would imagine, right? You know, the, the fact that they, in all cases, whether they're over-the-counter or prescription, um, impact the health of the heart detrimentally, um, you know, impact the, the health of the gastrointestinal system. Uh, you know, it just makes you shake your head, <laughs> given the current culture at the Food and Drug Administration. You know, would these be available if they went through the approval process now, Dr. Gedd? Yeah, probably not, or maybe yes, because in certain areas they, you know, they seem to have some efficacy. But, you know, the key then begins the same thing. Why not go back to the basics? Why not look at the causes of inflammation, which are all always rooted in either uh, space-occupying type of pressure or sitting on someone's lap, basically, or the the fats uh, deriving into the wrong prostaglandins, producing an inflammatory response. And we can manipulate that response a great, great, great percentage of the time by using natural types of approaches, diet included, along with some very natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals. So I have to think uh, that the more we teach this type of attitude, the better off we're going to be probably for long-term health and health and uh, well-being, I guess. What did it say about the prostate? It would enlarge it more? Is that the idea? Well, not that it enlarges it more. It um, uh, prevents the emptying of the bladder. So uh, it, they develop acute urinary retention and, and, uh, and obstruction. Yes, they're twice course, as likely to develop obstruction. Yeah, and that's one of the problems with the urinary uh, retention is a, uh, is a uh, large prostate. It's one of the symptoms that you ask a man you know, in his late 40s or 50s, 60s, 70s is that are you having difficulty emptying your bladder? Do you go to the bathroom a lot during the day? Do you get up in the middle of the night? They're all signs of not being able to empty their bladder. Wow, take an anti-inflammatory think you're doing such a good deal for something else and you have this problem, which is, by the way, for the listeners, whatever percentage it is of the year, if it's someone's 50, 50 percent of the men have a large prostate at age 60, 60 percent, 70, 70 percent, etc. So that's an eye-opener. That's a shocking eye-opener, as a matter of fact. Very good article. Thank you for bringing it. 
Well, we do have open phone lines to invite each and every one of you to join us. Great health books. I mean, just literally being published as we speak as we get the best and the most recent on, a, on almost a daily basis. So we invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002. Any of your health care questions. also wanted to bring up um, what's the lead story in today's L.A. Times health section, uh, Dr. Gannon, and that is... Um, I guess um, the lead story in Oprah Winfrey's uh, uh, magazine this month is all about her thyroid dysfunction. And uh, a physician who heads uh, University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine now indicates um, that uh, 27 million Americans have poor functioning thyroid. Uh, About 7% of women over the age of 45 have poor functioning thyroid. And, um, you know, a great comment by this uh, endocrinologist that every single tissue of our body needs thyroid hormone. Your insight here, Dr. Gann. Yeah, first of all, this this one doesn't surprise me at all, though, again, I didn't see this particular article. I am not surprised at all. I knew the numbers were always underflated, if there's such a word. They were underinflated uh, because uh, the the amount of, or the amount of thyroid that we used to watch, the numbers keeps dropping drastically. We used to think that after five of a TSH, that was hypothyroidism, and then now, of course, if it's below two, that seems to be a problem as well. Um, but yes, it, it's it's certainly true, and we have to wonder why. And of course, we have to look at you know all those things that the way we eat, the lack of selenium in our diets, uh, the high you know sugar foods that also irritate the uh, thyroid, the lack of iodine in the diets. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and certainly, of course, uh, several of the heavy metals have created this mass structure. Because I don't think this was a problem. Maybe a hundred years ago, I don't think no. we would have seen no. this much. Do you? No, no. no I no. just don't. No, there's every indication that, uh, of course, selenium deficiency plays a role here. The mass fluoridation and chlorination of our water has a role to play here. Well, I mean, and that's that's a problem wherever you go. I mean, and no matter what you eat and what you drink and whatever restaurant you go to, you have no idea what they're mixing, even the uh, the soda or the water there, or the juice that you're drinking, and and I guess that's part of the problem. And of course, uh, the iodine deficiency, yes, which is a yes. major problem, as you know. And uh, that's interesting because just this week at Medscape, there was an intriguing article uh, taking a look at a um, a study, and I think it was um, uh, the Netherlands where the study was done. Um, with iodized salt, indicating that that was just not an optimal way. And, of course, it's the way that's often pointed out to us, uh, uh, you know, why so many people believe that iodine deficiency is, is rare in this country, although, as you well pointed out, that's, that's quickly being uh, revised in this country, that iodized salt uh, just is not the best way to optimize one's iodine status. And that's, as you well know, Dr. Again, critical for thyroid health. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the, the ionized salt is nowhere near. Well, that, you know, that used to be like the biggest thing that we used all throughout the world because right. they knew that iodine deficiency right. was a major problem throughout mm-hmm. the world, so they started to uh, you know, do, uh, ionize the salt, but mm-hmm. it's no help. There's just no help. If you look at the amount of milligrams that we need, you look at the Japanese studies and what they're taking, yes. you know, you're not, we're not even close. I mean, the Japanese who eat seaweed more regularly than we do, um, you're looking somewhere between... 12 and 50 milligrams a day that's required and I don't think uh, I don't ionize salt you'd have to you'd have to literally have the entire Morton salt container to be able to do that kind of stuff 
course, some you know, iodine supplements are now gaining a lot more both clinical interest uh, as well as by healthcare consumers start again. Absolutely, and I take one myself. I have to tell you, I take iodine supplementation all the time. One to keep my thyroid healthy. Number two, you're probably not aware, it keeps your neutrophils healthy, which is your frontline defense and fighter fighting machine. Lots to do with iodine. Well. Think about it. You probably need it. We'll be back right soon, aren't we? Absolutely. Our line's open. Inviting you to join us with Dr. Ginn at 800-307-3002. Any of your health care questions, we invite you right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. Well, we have open phone lines. We do each and every week during this time. It's toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, at 1-800-307-3002. And because we have the best listeners uh, on earth, we have the opportunity to share with you uh, because publishers send to us on a daily basis lots of the most recently published healthcare books to share them with you. If you join us on the air today with your healthcare question, Dr. Mitchell Ginn joining us today, the, uh, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, we'll make sure that you get one of those uh, great health books. And that telephone number again to join us is 1-800-307-3002. Well, one of the most often asked questions, and you and I, of course, have been on the air for a long time, uh, Dr. Ginn, is how do I know uh, I'm taking the right amount of particular vitamins and minerals. And interesting because um, the current journal, uh, I know it may not be <laughs> the favorite bath time reading of all of us, Free Radical Biology and Medicine, has a commentary written by Dr. Jeffrey Blumberg, um, who's head of the U.S. Department of, of Agriculture's Human Nutrition Research Center at Tufts and the uh, director of the Linus Pauling Institute at Oregon State University, indicating that so many of the clinical trials about vitamins are flawed because they don't use the level of nutrient to be able to, uh, well, for example, they're talking about vitamin E, to reduce oxidative stress. Your insight, please, Dr. Ginn. And supports uh, my certainly my feelings in a lot of the uh, situations. We have to recognize that things are often used in what you call pharmacologic therapeutic doses, and they're often a lot larger than a pill is typically presented. And a lot of studies, with the one that you're you're actually uh, referring to, and a very good one, basically said that vitamin E. Most of those studies must have been flawed because they used 200 units, and maybe some cases 400 units. And they're talking, uh, you need somewhere between a thousand and thirty two hundred units mm-hmm. to get the anti real good antioxidant effects that we expect and certainly uh, they are there they're saying it is a great lipid meaning it's a fat soluble antioxidant and it does work in large doses I did see this article and I was uh, very impressed by that because it was in a conventional uh, literature and basically saying hey w- wait everybody take the step back for one second just step back because you're 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 doing these studies you're you're putting down you know a natural approach mm-hmm. and you're putting it down based upon just making up, you know, at any level to do it. It's like saying, okay, you know, I'll do a study on penicillin, and I'll give, uh, you know, instead of 500 milligrams four times a day, I'll give 10. 
to an adult. And then, of course, nothing happens, and you don't see the result in the specific bacteria you're trying to test. Well, there's no different when it comes to testing nutraceuticals. And I believe that's been part of the problem that we've seen sure. all along when sure. it comes to uh, these kind of studies. Uh, this is a wonderful study, by the way. A wonderful paper, actually. Eye-opening to, uh, to many of us. Let's go to the phones. We do have open phone lines. Your health care questions and a great opportunity to share with you some of the most recently published health care books at 1-800-307-3002. Let's say hello and welcome to Lisa. You're on the air with Dr. Gen. Lisa? Hello. How are Hi. you? Fine, Lisa. How about you? Great. I have a question regarding yeast overgrowth in the body. How do you determine whether or not um, the yeast infection is from yeast overgrowth or just a yeast infection in general? Good question. That's a very good question. I I personally am a plant-based diet. I eat 10 fruits and vegetables every day, and I work in the healthcare industry. And a coworker of mine suggested that I'm eating or mentioned that maybe I'm eating too much fruit, even though it's you know healthy in general, but still really high in sugar. So um, I've experienced a yeast infection, and um, I'm really concerned about this. I'm thinking, well, I'm doing the right thing in food-wise, but how can I, how can I point that? You know, you know what I mean? It's yeah, because, I, I, um, I think I understand exactly what you're saying. And you know, yeah. it's, you know, first of all, you have to realize that yeast is a normal inhabitant of the body, both on the body and in the body. Most people are not aware of that, but. We have bacteria and we have yeast that does live synergistically. It's when the yeast overgrows that it certainly becomes a problem. There's no question that diabetics and people who are diabetic or sugar intolerant that have too much sugar, you're sort of providing the fuel for the fire. Now, when you said a yeast infection and how do you know, um, the only way you sometimes know is by symptomatology, like if it's a yeast infection on the skin, you see what it looks like, uh, and then it's uh, sometimes it's, scraped and sent for pathology report, you could tell if it's a vaginal yeast infection you're referring to, of course, it has a uh, special type of discharge, and that could be also checked at a laboratory, at an outside laboratory as well. Uh, yeast, yeast infections that occur inside the bloodstream are extremely dangerous, and they're rare, um, but certainly the best way to test for yeast and the in the absence of not having it, you know, having a vaginal discharge that may seem to have that or anything on the skin, I like is a in the stool, and that's using what's called a CDSA, a complete digestive stool analysis, because that often will tell you about the good bacteria versus the bad bacteria, and all the fruit you're eating tends to end up in the same place anyway, and that's in the colon. So if there's going to be an overgrowth because of some weakness immunologically, we're going to probably see it there. So it's called a CDSA, Lisa, a complete digestive stool analysis. It's a test done by a few major laboratories in the country. Okay. And they actually have home test kits uh, for that, Lisa. And if you want to contact the laboratory in Asheville, North Carolina, they work with physicians um, all across the country, but they also provide home testing kit if if you want to work directly with them. And I can give you the the telephone number of of, uh, Great Smokies Laboratories. They're now Genova Labs, and that's 1-800-522-4762. Great. If you decide to follow that up. Now, another question, another little, um, should I cut out fruit? Because I have for the past two days. Um, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that okay? I'm cutting out all sugar. Lisa, may I ask how young you are? You sound like a young woman. How old are you? 30. 30. Are you asking in reference to a specific possible infection? I mean, do you, are, are you talking um, about a possible vaginal infection? Is that what we're talking about? 
Yes, it's it's not discharge. It's extreme burning, um, redness, okay. inflammation. It feels like inflammation. Okay, it, it's possible it's a yeast infection, and I guess for a few days I would definitely decrease my fruit intake and certainly have a, a physician take a, a take a look and see if that's true by sending out a culture. But um, just to tell you overall, this doesn't necessarily mean you, but yeast infections naturally occur from other reasons as well, not necessarily from just eating a lot of fruit. Um, a high, uh, a high, or a large amount of, or someone who douches tends to cause a yeast infection because it kills the normal bacteria that inhabits the vagina and then overgrows the yeast. Another capability is someone who's had a lot of uh, sexual activity because there is lysozyme, there is an antibacterial in sperm or semen, and what it does, it also kills the bacteria, but unfortunately leaves the yeast overgrowth. But if none of this seems to add up for you, uh, then certainly at least go take a... Uh, a quick test, and there's lots of things that will kill this, you know, lots of uh, just plain topical things that can kill this, and ask them to get a good pH because it doesn't grow in certain pHs, and that's where you can sometimes use yogurt and uh, uh, an acetic like vinegar douche that will help uh, create an environment that's not good for yeast to grow. But for a couple of days, yeah, drop the fruit on a regular long-term basis. I wouldn't unless I found that I was diabetic. I mean, I think eating a lot of fruit's good for you. Right. Well, thank you so much, you two. You're Have welcome, a great day. All the best. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us today. An open phone line to invite you to join us toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, 1-800-307-3002. And the great opportunity, Dr. Ginn, to, to talk about what I'm now seeing definitely in conventional uh, literature, even uh, you know the popular media, that we are microbial beings from the 700 bacteria species that are in our mouth <laughs> to the link between right. infection and inflammation with heart disease. Every mm-hmm. part of our body depends upon that, uh, that balance of good to bad bacteria. We are. I mean, I always tell people, try to, re- try to get this straight. We live in the world of the microorganism, not they live in our world. You know, they did a study once. I don't know how the heck they came up with this, but it, it certain always burned a hole in my memory with this, that if we would melt down the human body, we would be three pounds of organisms. Yeah, but it, it certainly serves the uh, visual that, that we are in their world and that as long as there's a balance, we are in good health. Don't think that killing all the bacteria is the right thing either because we need certain bacteria to do certain actual things in our body. So it's important to have the right equilibrium, as you say. That's the key. Well, with the U.S. Geological Survey saying antibiotic residues are now in um, the municipal water supply system. If you eat um, conventional foods, although it does sound like uh, uh, Lisa has a leg up in terms of her health habits, but the average person you know, eating conventional foods is going to get antibiotic residues as well, Dr. Gann. Sure. Why don't you add to that the chlorinated uh, component sure. to water? And then all the good bacteria that we have, the ones that were typically supposed to be in the uh, the gut, aren't able to live because the chlorine, being an antibiotic, kills them. So what do we have? We get an overgrowth of one of the other families, which happens to be pathogenic. And so, hence, we have all the problems that we do, everything from you name it. We've got Crohn's, and we've got ulcerative colitis, and we've got you know gastrointestinal uh, irritations and regurgitation, and, and the list goes on and on. Um, no question that uh, how we eat what we eat and and uh, the balance of that bacteria makes a whole difference in our long-term longevity and morbidity. 
Absolutely. An open phone line to invite you to join us toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, any of your health care questions. And we're sharing with you some of the most recently published health books with Dr. Mitchell Ginn joining us today, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, edenlaboratories.net. Again, that number, 1-800-307-3002. And at least some of that research, uh, you may not have uh, caught uh, a New York Times Sunday Magazine front page article in the last year, uh, Dr. That talked about they find different balance of flora in people who are obese, and there's some suggestion. Um, and of course, they don't know. You know, chicken and eggs send more money for more study. But that balance of flora is also critical to digestion and absorption of nutrients and obesity. Um, may either exacerbate, be caused by, <laughs> you know, some connection to that balance of flora in our gastrointestinal system. Oh, I'm not surprised and and I and I'm clear that that is the a probably a fact and it will be a theorem and I one of the things that we always talk about patients always call and folks call and say well what what is it exactly that I should be taking at minimum we always say the general vitamin the coq you know the essential fatty acids and I've and I've added to that that to that triad the quad the fourth component is the probiotic I think we must have a certain amount of probiotics in our system on a regular basis because of all the factors we eat out uh, the foods are are polluted they have antibiotics in them they have hormones in them and it does change that balance and that balance makes all the difference as to whether or not we get we can remain healthy or not. For sure, there are many, many disorders that when I went to medical school are now being shown are being responsible or at least somehow have some etiology connection to some to some uh, biotic, to right, some right. biological creature, so to speak. Sure. Now, whether it's real or not, we don't know, but we do know there is an association. You know, H. pylori being a perfect example. Sure, sure. When we take a look at, you know, somebody eating out, trying to make wise uh, choices because, uh, you know, they have no idea about the food source, you know, organic or conventional, uh, the preparation of the food. Uh, you know, we now know, for example, microwaving broccoli, there go 95% of the, uh, you know, the labile vitamins uh, uh, in this, this food. That if you're eating out, even eating wisely, you're getting 42% less nutrients <laughs> wow. than if you had the opportunity, you know, to eat organic and control, you know, every aspect of eating local, um, you know, the, the, the cooking, uh, the preparation, the consumption, consumption of your food. 42% less nutrients is huge, Dr. Gann. I think it's massive. Uh, 42%. Is a massive change probably. It's going to be in part with the decrease in longevity we're going to start to see sure. very shortly as well. And they've been reporting out also. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the regular stream. I have to admit, when I'm home, I do try to eat organic as much as I can. I do, you know, I certainly follow what I speak about on the air. I hate the idea of being a do as I say type of doctor and not as I do. Um, but the truth is, I, I do go out, and when I do go out, I, and I do try to pick the good things like fish and and uh, other things like vegetables. But I, I don't know what I'm getting. I, I don't know, you know, if it's been overcooked. I, I don't know what's happened to it. You know, even a fruit, and this is a, an important point with fruit. You know, we we talk about the glycemic index mm-hmm. all the time, and you know, is it are fruits good? Are they not good? The, the thing that the glycemic index never took into consideration is it being overripe and the amount of amylose in the fruit, fruit which decreases gastric emptying time. So we don't have a clue whether or not. 
you know, where these vegetables or fruits are by the time they get to our table, how long they've been cut. You know, even cutting a vegetable, you know, all this things come in my head as I'm talking. That's why I'm spinning us all out. So I get excited. I don't know. I get excited when I'm with you. I don't know why that is. My wife has a hard time with it, but she's getting over it, I think. But but the when you cut fruits and vegetables, you know, if you cut it, like in a restaurant, you prepare it, and, and you leave it out even 20 minutes, what do you have? You really have nothing. I know we're going to a break, so I'm rushing through this, but it's such an important topic. gets me excited, so that's why I'm saying it like that. But you're right. We don't know what the heck we're getting unless we do it ourselves. Back with more. Our line's open to invite you to join us, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, EdenLaboratories.net. Dr. Mitchell again joining us today. We invite you to join us, 1-800-307-3002. Your health care question on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, back to the only talk show host in America certified to be 100% organic, Deborah Ray. Dr. Mitchell again joining us today. We invite you to join us. Go to the phone, pick it up, give us a call. Your health care question, 1-800-307-3002. That's 1-800-307-3002. And speaking of uh, getting enthusiastic about your work, just ran across this online, that the current issue of Science News um, is talking about the, the ongoing research. Apparently, uh, Dr. Richard Brown at Columbia University has become very interested in the, the literature about um, rhodiola, um, this Siberian herb that apparently um, is not only a great adaptogen in terms of helping people deal with stress, they're now finding that it prevents the immune system damage caused by anti-cancer drugs, so slows the division of cancer cells, helps to uh, correct enzyme deficiencies, uh, protects against uh, uh, oxidative stress. Um, so very interesting uh, focus on rhodiola uh, as, a, as a possible agent, knowing that, you know, I've seen numbers, Dr. Gen, from 65 to 95 percent of uh, you know, the clinical ills uh, from which we suffer are exacerbated by the stress <laughs> that, we, that we experience on a daily basis. Well, no question that stress does make whatever what we're doing worse, and it does increase inflammation, and it does uh, increase our blood clotting, and, and a host of other things that will certainly not work for our best against these diseases. Rhodiola is a great new adaptogen. I've not used it myself regularly. I have no. in some prostate cancer cases successfully, but not overall, but it is uh, one that's being looked at and has been for, I guess, the last two or three years. You see it starting to pop up in some formulas for, you know, different combinations of, uh, you know, immune uh, type of, uh, I guess, uh, um, things to augment the immune system. Right. But I, right. I think it's coming of age. It's starting to come about. But it's interesting because I guess Dr. Brown, who is a, a psychiatrist there at Columbia University's wife, who is also a physician, had debilitating Lyme disease. Um, he suggested that she you know, try the rhodiola. Uh, Ten days, <laughs> she said, not only did her memory, you know, the brain fogginess that that she experienced, but her energy level, uh, you know, returned to what it was prior to the disease. And uh, now together, the two of them have recommended this herb to many of the patients in their clinical psychiatry practices, and they say, um, you know, uh, often in conjunction with standard antidepressants, it's, it's just it's amazing to some patients, Dr. Gann. Well, that's good. 
good because if it can help to reduce the amount of antidepressants that are being purveyed in the United States, I'm all for that one for sure. And and again, it's an adaptogen, and the key to an adaptogen for the listeners is any uh, herb is typically an adaptogen. And what that means that it does its job under certain circumstances and under others it doesn't, which means it should not be there 24-7, 365 days a year. An adaptogen should be used for short periods of time, a month or so, and then removed and then replaced. Much more. Our thanks to Dr. Gen. Our thanks to you. If you missed anything, HealthyTalkRadio.com, EdenLaboratories.net. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy. 